Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. Our church, Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, has the privilege of partnering with Sufficiency of Scriptures Ministries, and that ministry is led by Shannon Hurley, and it is focused really on the work that God is doing in the nation of Uganda and East Africa. And uh, we had the privilege of having Shannon out at our church a few weeks ago, and he preached on the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28, and he summarized much of what's going on there in that text on that text, and the message that we have to give to the world with the words, there is a king and his way is the best, right? That Jesus Christ is the king. He says in that passage, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the king. And as we encourage people to follow the king, and that's really literally what making disciples means, to make followers, we're urging people to follow the king, we're reminding them that his way is the best. The things that Jesus tells us to do, they are for our good, and we want to trust that and to follow him. And obviously, we know the Bible tells us we have a problem with this king because we have been off of his way. We need to deal with that sin problem to get back on his way. And that's something we can't do on our own. That's why Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that he might deal with our sins and allow us to be reconciled to God and become followers of the king. Well, today we want to think about this idea of Jesus as king, because that's not something that we're coming up with. It's clearly something that he claimed for himself. And obviously we see that in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, but we're also going to see it in our passage today, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, which probably the heading in your Bible simply says, the triumphal entry. And as it says that, it tells the familiar story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. We believe on the day we celebrate Palm Sunday, right? The Sunday before he is crucified and they wave palm branches in the air. They cry out, Hosanna, and all these things you're probably familiar with. But one thing I want you to notice today is how intentional this was. It says now basically they were getting near to Jerusalem and Jesus sends two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. Jesus is setting up this whole situation, and Jesus knows exactly what he's doing, right? This is going to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy that speaks of the king of Israel riding in on a colt, right? Riding in on this animal. And so he is clearly and intentionally fulfilling prophecy that will identify him as the king. And notice even what he says there and how he trains these two disciples 
to answer if they're asked, hey, what are you doing? To say the Lord has need of it. That's how Jesus is identifying himself. And so again, when we think of the deity of Christ even, or the claims of Christ, this is one of those passages that you might not jump to your mind when you think about those things, but here Jesus is clearly making big claims about himself. He is claiming to be the king. He is claiming to be the Lord. And he is not telling people to stop when they start crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. No, he is clearly creating this situation. He is receiving the praise and even the worship that he is due. So we want to just think through that for ourselves and that reminder that Jesus is the king and we are called to worship him. And that's where I want to now pivot quickly to our next passage I want us to think about, which is Psalm 66. And Psalm 66 presents such an amazing and high view of God and calls us to worship him. And even as we uh, look at this passage today, we see what our king has done and what he deserves, right? We see that following the king is not always going to be easy. And he talks about in verse 10 that God has tested us. It says, you have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You laid crushing burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. At times following God, there will be difficulty that he clearly allows. But I love how that ends. Yet you have brought us out into a place of abundance. And so even as you think about following King Jesus, you need to expect there will be times where he tests us. He tries us as silver is tried, yet he will bring us out. He will lead us to a place of abundance. Can you look at your own life and see how God has done that? Can you identify sometimes where it felt like there was a crushing burden on your back and you've, you've seen fire and you've seen rain as the old song says, but can you also think about how even in those seasons, God brought you out, God led you out of it, even into a place of abundance. If that's what our King has done for us, what does he deserve in response? We'll look at verses 13 through 15. Again, we look at Psalm 66, 8 through 15 today. He says, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Basically, he is going to respond to the deliverance that the king has provided. He's going to respond with thanksgiving and worship. And so I want us to think about how do we respond to the deliverance of the king, right? We clearly know what it is sometimes to feel the trials and to be tested, but do we also know what it is then to look back on it and give the king worship, give the king praise, give the king thanks, and do what we have promised to do to him. These are good things for us to think about because many times we complain our way through the trial and then just forget about it when it's over. When God wants us to remember his deliverance and to give him worship, and we need to confess our king deserves that worship. So we want to be the kind of people that know, hey, we're going to experience trials. 
but we want to be the kind of people that we respond with thanksgiving, we respond with praise, we give God the worship and the gratitude that he is due. I pray that we are all those kind of people. And as we think about Jesus being our king, we go back to those words that uh, Shannon Hurley was saying, there is a king, his way is the best. And that's something we need to admit even when it's controversial. And that now brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. And here God is going to say some things specifically to men and to women. And we're going to see these things can be controversial in the days that we live. And the Bible, I believe, clearly says some things about the roles that men and women are to play in the church, about the roles that men and women are to have in the home. And those things are really being rejected more and more by our culture and even by many churches and many uh, so-called Christian homes. And it's really what the Bible teaches uh, wants to be maligned is out of step with our culture. That's where I think Christians need to unapologetically say there is a king and his way is the best. I want to live church. I want to live home and family as God designed it, as God intended it to be lived because his way is better than the world's way. Now, look at verse 2 here. Now, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Right? That's an amazing statement that so many in our culture just will cringe hearing even a statement like the head of a wife is her husband. I think the best way to understand what is head talking about here, it's really talking about authority and leadership. And that's where that's what leads me to have a, a view that would say men and women are complementary, that we might have different roles, but we are also equal in dignity before God. Because notice what it says next, and the head of Christ is God. Are we going to say that God is greater than Christ? No, Christ is even saying all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Uh, The son and the father, they are equal in substance, but we see the son submitting to the father. And here I would say also, no, men and women are created equal in the sight of God and in the image of God, but they have different roles to play. And God is calling the wife to submit to her husband here and for the husband to lead. And as we think about the applications of that, and we think about how it's talked about other places in scripture, we're going to see that should challenge everybody that hears that. Men, you should be challenged to lead and to lead the way that God wants you to lead, which is leading with sacrificial love. And women, that will be challenging to you. And this goes all the way back to the garden. Basically, God tells Eve, this is going to be a problem between you and your husband. And we see that played out all over our culture. But what we need to come back to is there is a king and his way is the best. Maybe you think about a musical duet where maybe you have two voices or two instruments playing different but complementary parts. How Can't that be such a beautiful thing when it is done in the right way? 
And sometimes one of those instruments or one of those voices may have a more leading role with the melody. And the other part is harmonizing along with it. But when you put it together, it is beautiful. And many times you think of a good duet, you can't really separate it. You can't really have one without the other. But when you put them together in the way that the composer designed, it is beautiful. And if both were trying to do the same thing, it wouldn't be as beautiful. Or even worse, if, if they were in different keys, oh, it just wouldn't work at all. But God here has designed something beautiful. And we need to trust his design. We need to trust that his way really is the best and seek to live that out. Now, there can be some confusing things here in this passage, especially when it gets into the head coverings. And we don't have time to dig into all of that. But I think there are some eternal principles in this passage, right? The eternal principles that we see there in verse 3, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Those things never change over time. But even as we think about the roles of men and women, there's even things I think within the family and within the church that God has said that also never change over time. But some of the distinctions between men and women, there there can be some cultural expressions of those things that might be different from place to place. And I think the basic idea of what's going on here is there were people doing clear things that kind of rejected their role and rejected the cultural expression of their gender in society that I think we should take heed to. That men, you shouldn't be doing any anything to try to blur even how you're presented to others, um, but you should be seeking to do what would be expected of a man and same to uh, the women. That we shouldn't be trying to push the boundaries or the envelopes of those things, but we should be seeking to live out our role as God has designed us as men and women. And again, this can be so controversial in the day and age in which we live, but I don't think it should be. We should be coming back to, hey, God has made this pretty clear Let's follow his plan and let's live that out in our lives. So we we talked about the king and how Jesus was intentional. We talked about our response of thanksgiving that we should have, how we should follow the king. Well, let's now think about King Jesus and his great, 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 and many greats grandfather, King David. And we're actually going to see tomorrow reading about the Davidic covenant where we will see more, uh, even uh, that just touches on this theme of David and, and the son that is coming. But today we really see David's kingdom established as he becomes the king, as Abner is killed and really any, as Ishbosheth, Saul's son, is also killed. And now everything is just solidified under David. And one thing I think you will see is those that seek to be violent in many of these passages, they end up meeting a violent end. And I think that'd be true of of Abner, even in how he lived. But then in chapter five, we see David anointed king. And notice instantly, you see him seeking God. Even as he goes to fight the Philistines, he is looking to God for direction. He is starting off on a strong foot as a godly king. And that's a good thing that we see there in his example. But we know ultimately uh, David is a picture of his greater son that we'll see more about tomorrow, but King Jesus. May we honor the king, give him the worship that he is due and seek to follow his way because there is a king and his way is the best. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.